Mark 4, 35 to 41, Jesus calms the storm. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care we are going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Well, thanks, Gwen. Great to hear from you and hope that you're well. Um, as I mentioned last week, the Gospels actually include two stories of Jesus and his disciples facing storms. And so for two weeks, we've actually been in the second story uh, last week and the week before in Matthew 14, and uh, as we've been in this series called The Rabbi and the Waves. And so um, now we're actually going back to an earlier story. Uh, so this is, this is the earlier one in, in Mark, Mark chapter 4. Uh, so as we said last week, you're actually going to see, you can kind of discern the disciples, that the disciples are going to be noticeably less developed on their faith journey in this storm story than they are in the Matthew 14 one. And so that's kind of where we are in terms of orienting uh, ourselves. We were in Matthew 14. This story actually is in Matthew 8 as well, uh, but we're, we're using Mark's account, uh, Mark's version. Why? Because it's a little bit longer, and when you learn to be a tr preacher, they teach you that longer is always better. Just kidding. So uh, most days, I don't know about you, but I, I kind of have developed a daily ritual of tuning in to the, the daily uh, COVID-19 updates from uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry and our health minister, Adrian Dix. Uh, it's become, yeah, a bit of a ritual for me. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of the same every day, right? They, they announce the, how many new cases and how many deaths and how many people have recovered. They give us the stats and then, uh, you know, they update us on the measures that are being taken and, and how we can uh, be part of slowing the spread of this pandemic. And something that I've noticed over watching them a number of times is they have a phrase that they like to use. Uh, I've heard them several times say the phrase uh, to put that in context. And so they'll, they'll bring a piece of news. Often it's a stat, right? And uh, they, they'll, they'll share a piece of news and then, they, and then they follow it up with, now to put that in context, and then they uh, give you more information that kind of zooms out and gives you the bigger picture of what's going on. It helps you to understand the, the information that they just shared, which is usually a statistic. Now, why do they do that? Here in Mark chapter 4, we find the disciples, and they're in the midst of their own crisis. It's not a pandemic. Uh, it's, it's a storm, a literal storm. Uh, again, the first of two storms that they will encounter. And the narrative is pretty simple. They're, they're out on the, on the sea um, in a boat. Jesus is sleeping. A storm picks up, and they freak out and, and say, they, they wake up Jesus and say, say like, Jesus, don't you care? We're going we're gonna to drown. 
And then Jesus, with a word, calms the storm, and the disciples are amazed. That's the whole story. Uh, here's something you maybe didn't notice in this story or that we tend not to notice. Uh, the disciples speak only two times in this story, and both of the times that they speak, they're asking questions, and they're actually asking big picture, uh, zoomed out questions, right? So in verse 38, it says, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Teacher, don't you care, they say. Then Jesus speaks to the storm and tells it to stop, and it stops, and we'll talk about that. And then in verse 41, it says, the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this man? Teacher, don't you care? And who is this man? It's interesting, isn't it? Confronted with crashing waves and howling wind and clapping thunder and a very real and immediate threat to their lives, these guys start asking questions. They start kind of, you know, zooming out and asking big picture questions to try and get their bearings. There's no other living being on earth that does that. Like, salmon don't ask, why do I have to swim upstream? You know, an no antelope ever asked why the lion exists. Yet isn't it true that for us as human beings, something that's unique to us is that when we face a crisis, we have this instinctive desire to try to understand that crisis, to make meaning of the crisis, and so we start asking questions. So why do Bonnie Henry and Adrian Dix make a point of putting things in context? It's because that they know that what was true of the disciples in the boat in the first century is also true of us today in the 21st century. That we human beings have an instinctive desire to make meaning in the midst of our crisis. Or you could say this, to tell ourselves a story about our crisis as a way of making sense of it. They know that we want to tell ourselves a story uh, about our crisis as a way of making sense of our crisis. And so they come in and they put things in context. They give us the information we need uh, in order, as a way of helping us to tell ourselves a more true and helpful story about this pandemic. They give us more information. They put things in context to help us to tell ourselves a more true and helpful story about this pandemic because that's what we need in the midst of a storm, isn't it? Now, the two questions that the disciples ask in Mark chapter 4, okay, do, don't you care and who is this man, those two questions are uh, going to help us as we tell our own stories about our own crises. But before we get there, let's just stop and linger with this this first point about how we human beings uh, need tools for telling ourselves a better story, a, a more true and helpful story. Let me ask you at home uh, to just participate with me for a second. Uh, if you would think about your current crisis or crises, okay? Now, we've, we've all got this shared crisis right now as 
as a global community of this pandemic, but um, you know, for many of us, we've got another crisis that was already going on for weeks or months or years before this thing ever hit. And so think about your, your particular crisis or set of crises. And all of us human beings ref- reflexively put our crises in context. We reflexively tell ourselves stories about our crises. So, and sometimes those stories are helpful and sometimes they're unhelpful. So let's do an activity, okay? Everyone at home, uh, close your eyes and take a breath, if you will. And I want to invite you to just do a check-in with yourself as you think about your own crisis or crises, your own storm. I want you to check in with yourself using this question. Ask yourself, what story am I telling myself about my storm? What story am I telling myself? What story have I been telling myself about my particular storm? Keep your eyes closed and just sit with that question for a moment. What story have I been telling myself? Keep your eyes closed. We see a glimpse of the disciples' story, uh, actually, in verse 38, the story that they're telling themselves, because they say, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And the fact that they say that tells us that the story that they're telling themselves right now is Jesus doesn't care, and we're going to drown. Now, maybe, as you sit at home thinking about this, maybe if you're honest, you've been telling yourself a version of that story as well. Jesus doesn't care, and I'm going to drown. Maybe you've been telling yourself a not-enough story. I'm not strong enough. I don't have enough. God is not enough. Maybe you've been telling yourself a story of being alone, a story of being abandoned in the midst of all this. Okay, now open your eyes, and if you're taking notes or if if you've got a journal nearby, it would be helpful uh, for you to write down whatever you just came up with. What is the the interior story that you've been working from uh, through your current storm? Okay, write it down physically. Uh, and, and, you know, if you're with a group of people and you'd rather do this in private, you can, you know, do it later if you want, but at least make a mental note of it right now. Now, let's go back to the disciples in the boat. In the midst of the storm, the disciples do this crazy thing. They start asking big picture questions. They're, they're trying to put their story into context. And let's look briefly at the two questions they ask, because the questions that they ask are really the questions for all of us as we face storms, and they're going to be helpful for us uh, as as we navigate whatever we're going through. So we're going to actually uh, tackle them in reverse order. So we'll start with the second question, which is in verse 41. It says, the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, we've discussed this a little bit in this series already, and so some of this won't be, uh, won't be new information 
for you, but just to remind you, in Matthew 14, the other storm narrative, Jesus comes walking across the water and he says to the disciples, don't be afraid, take courage, it is I, except he doesn't say it is I, he says, I am, and I am in the Bible is, is God's name for himself, and so Jesus is actually speaking the name of God over himself. And we also talked a couple weeks ago about how uh, in, in the ancient world, the, the water was seen as a symbol of chaos and disorder and evil. And so we talked about how in Genesis 1, it starts with the Spirit of God hovering over the waters, the chaotic waters, and the creation narrative in Genesis 1 is God saying in the midst of the chaos of the waters, uh, speaking order amidst that chaos. What we didn't talk about yet is that you can trace that, uh, that idea, that motif throughout the Bible, that throughout particularly the Old Testament, again and again you will see God's, um, God's power exhibited in how he, he's, His power is so extensive that He has power not, not only over the orderly world of land, but also over the chaotic and potentially evil world of the sea or the waters. So you can think about Genesis or excuse me Exodus where the God who introduced himself as I am then leads his people to freedom uh, out of out of slavery in Egypt and they come up to an obstacle the Red Sea and God parts the sea. God parts the the waters showing his mastery even over the forces uh, of chaos and evil, and the people walk through on dry land. A similar thing happens in the book of Joshua, where, again, the Israelites are traveling, and, and God makes the Jordan River stop, and it, it says the water stood up like a wall, and they walked through on dry land. And so, and so one of the big um, ways that God's power is presented in the Old Testament is in His power over even the waters. Now remember, Jesus' disciples grew up Jewish. They grew up studying those stories. And so you can, you can almost like see a little hint of that awareness even in what they say here, right? Who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Like if these guys grew up studying the Old Testament, and they did, then they know what when someone, when someone uh, by their very voice can control, uh, can control the waters, uh, they know what that's pointing toward. The big idea is that Jesus is showing here, this, this is one more, uh, one more episode in, in a series of events that's been going on throughout the Bible, and Jesus is showing that the same God who, uh, who spoke um, who spoke o order over the waters of chaos in Genesis, and the same God who parted the waters in Exodus, and the same God who stopped the river in Joshua is now the God, is now the rabbi in the waves who can calm the storm with a word. Jesus is revealing here that he's the, that he's the creator. Who is this man? He's the creator. He's the same God from the Old Testament. 
That's the, so the, that's the first question. Who is this man? He's the creator in flesh. The second question shows up, or excuse me, that was the second question. This is the first question. The first question shows up back in verse 38. Jesus is asleep. They wake him up and they shout, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Teacher, don't you care? Maybe you found yourself at times uh, in your soul shouting the same question at Jesus. Now, it's understandable when you think about it. This is one of these moments where, you know, if, if you were to take this story out of the Gospels and say, where do you think it belongs? You can see, uh, you can really see that they're, just, they're still just getting to know Jesus, aren't they? It's understandable that they wonder, because here we are, we're at the beginning of uh, Mark's Gospel, the beginning of their journey uh, with Jesus. Their relationship with Jesus is maybe only weeks Old, and so it's understandable that they ask a question, do you care? This whole thing is very new for them. Uh, we, however, have seen the rest of the story, haven't we? Like, it's understandable for them to wonder because they haven't seen all the things that are going to happen in Jesus' uh, Jesus's life and ministry, but for us, we've, we've got those things. In other words, for us, we can put the story in context a little bit better. So, for instance, uh, we know that sometime later, Jesus will teach his disciples in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. They know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Teacher, don't you care we're going to drown? Well, I'm the good shepherd, he says sometime later. And then, of course, we, we get the ending of the story, right? Like it's Palm Sunday today. Palm Sunday is the beginning of what Christians call Holy Week. And, and so the narrative of this week is, is recorded, and it's, it's the climax of Jesus' story. And on the first Palm Sunday, Jesus uh, rode into Jerusalem amid shouts of joy, um, with ulterior motives, but that's another discussion. He rode into Jerusalem knowing that he probably wouldn't leave, knowing that death awaited him. And that was Sunday. On Thursday, he had a meal with his, uh, with his disciples, which has come to be called the Last Supper, and he prayed over them, uh, and he prepared them. He taught them his final teaching um, before, before what would be his death. And, and Thursday night, they left that place, and he went to a garden to pray, and he was in such anguish that he sweat drops of blood. And Jesus could have, in that moment, uh, chosen to pull the plug on this whole mission. And what we see in the Bible is that he considered it. That he, seemed, he knew that he didn't have to do this, but he chose because of his submission to God and his love for us to lay down his life. 
And, and on Friday, that's what he did. And he was captured and arrested and tried and beaten. And he died on the cross. That's, that's the story that we're remembering this week. It has a happy ending, but tune in, tune in next Sunday for that. It's understandable for the disciples here at the beginning of the story to wonder, Jesus, do you care? But on the other side of the cross, we can't wonder, can we? On the other side of the cross, the cross has spoken so clearly Jesus' care and love for us. You know, people um, for centuries, millennia, have wondered about a thing called the problem of evil. Why does God allow evil and suffering to exist in the world? And that's an important question, and there's lots of, you know, sophisticated ways to talk about it. But in a sense, the best answer is perhaps the cross. Because evil and suffering still don't make sense sometimes, but, but we can't look at our crucified creator suffering here on earth with us and say he doesn't care or that he's ignorant of our pain or that he thinks it's easy or that, it's far, that he's far off. Maybe the disciples can look at a sleeping Jesus whom they barely know and at that moment wonder if he cares. But we who are on the other side of the cross know just how deeply he does care about us. So, the big idea then is that the rabbi in the waves is the creator and he cares that this rabbi who was present with the disciples and who says in Scripture that he's present with us now, he's the creator, he's the one who can uh, speak order amidst chaos, he's the one who can calm the storm, and he cares, and that's important because what good is an all-powerful creator if he's, if he's not good, if he's not for us? How does that help us? The rabbi in the waves is the creator, and he cares. That's who, uh, that's who is with the disciples, and that's who is with us today as we walk through our storms. So, uh, listen, I want to I leave you then with a couple of reflection questions. The rabbi in the waves is the creator and he cares. Those are the answers that the disciples sought and found and that's what puts their story into context, but it's also what puts our story, our storm into context. So let me leave you with two reflection questions. Uh, firstly, it's the one that, that I mentioned earlier, what story am I telling myself about my storm? And that could be this pandemic it could be something else. It could be a combination of different things. And so I hope that you have or that you will actually write down that story, okay? When it's in your brain, it's, it's tangled together with all your other thoughts and feelings, and it's hard, to, it's hard to sort of think about it. But once you externalize it, put it on paper, and then you can begin to question that story, uh, is it true? Is it helpful? And what's a way that you can reframe or reimagine or replace that story with a better one? You know, the, the Navy SEALs have a trick. They call it uh, the 40% rule. 
And it's very simple. It goes like this. When your mind and your body are, are telling you that you're, you've reached 100% capacity, that you're done, that you need to quit, uh, in reality, that's 40% of your capacity. That's, that's the rule that they set. And so, you know, and that's pretty intense, okay? That's pretty intense. But you can see the point, right? That in the midst of whatever they're doing, whatever difficulty, um, whatever obstacles they're facing, um, they tell themselves a different story, a better and more helpful story, and that's what enables them to endure. And so put your story on paper and start working with it. And as you do, uh, bring in reflection question number two. How does a caring creator, Jesus, reshape that story? Okay, if, take a look at your story. Take a look at the way that you have understood what you're going through right now. How does, how does the way that you understand that story change when you know that you have a Jesus with you who is the creator, who speaks uh, order amidst chaos, speaks, speaks beauty amidst brokenness, and who cares deeply enough for you that he laid down his life? Church, I, I want to leave you with those questions and ask you to spend some time with them this week as we seek to follow Jesus closely and as we seek um, to, to continue to um, walk through and, and live through our storms with Rabbi Jesus there with us. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you that you care deeply about us and that even though things don't always make sense, even though we don't right now you know, have an end in sight, even though things aren't easy and you never promised they would be easy, that we can, uh, we can know that you care for us and that you're the creator. Pray that we would draw strength from that. Pray that we would set our stories in that context and that we would, um, and that we would live live with a view toward that story and find the best way to live in that story. Pray for all of those who are listening online that they would feel your nearness today and your care and your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.